Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert and Jamie Eisner here with you on a Tuesday morning. No more football. We're into the offseason, but that does not mean there is not stuff for us to talk about. There's Jamie's last two rounds. That's right, two rounds on the show today of his way too early mock draft rounds seven and eight. And we have a lot of rumors to get into here. But listen, football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right down to the Olympic coverage. It's the best in the business. From sports, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. And Jamie, I'm going to let you decide where we start the show today. Do you want to do rumors first, or do you want to do the last two rounds of your mock first? Because there's a lot of rumors that impact what we do here on this show, so I will leave the choice to you, my friend. Let's do rumors first. Uh, for those that may be bored by our mock draft shows, I can't imagine that there's anybody bored by bored us by bickering about but, your mock draft. But uh, let's uh, let's get into some of the the current, the, the rumors, the rumblings, and there are plenty of them around the NFL. But I will let you pick where we go in what order. I think you you've got like a list of things in your mind that you want to tackle. Yeah, I, I certainly think that the place I'd like to start because I think it's the place that's going to have the most movement currently is the Carson Wentz situation in Indianapolis. And I didn't yeah. think that's where – I didn't think if you asked me six weeks ago where I would start a rumors show in the offseason, I didn't think I would start it with Carson Wentz. Yet here we are because – Jamie, I love this. I, the The analogy that I've used is it was like everybody was trying to get their homework in before the, the deadline of the Super Bowl being over. Everybody trying to leak rumors before the Super Bowl was over. Just, just get all these stories out there. And one of them that we got, I believe this was on Saturday, was – the current expectation is that before March 15th, I believe is the 15th date, or 16th. Is, I forgot when the whenever that the league year flips over. Yeah, that is when Carson Wentz is due a, a pretty large sum of money. And the, the current expectation is, is that before that moment, Carson Wentz is expected to be traded or released. So, Jamie, you put you put it in our uh, chat in a TDN back room. Anytime you can trade a mid-round, first-round pick – to get a quarterback and then get rid of him a year later, you absolutely have to do it. And, Jamie, I, I ask you from a fantasy perspective, the quarterback situation, Indy, obviously impacts a lot of different pass catchers in that offense, and it impacts the direction of this Colts franchise. So what do you anticipate happening here? So there's a couple different ways to look at it. Obviously, the I would say the best-case scenario for the Colts, I also think it's the least likely scenario for the Colts, is that they're able to trade Carson Wentz before – pretty much a month from today. Uh, if they're able to do that, they would basically be able to move his entire cap hit off of their books, all $28.29 million in cap savings with a $0 cap hit of dead cap. So that would be their ideal scenario. The issue is, is Carson Wentz's contract sucks. And I can't imagine that any team is 
not only going to line up to give the Colts anything of significance for Carson Wentz, but would even necessarily just take Carson Wentz for even a, a day three pick at, at this point, given that the contract. Now, if Carson Wentz were to be cut, I could see he's going to have a market as a guy that would be signing a new lower dollar contract. I could absolutely see that. But in terms of the guarantees he currently has on his contract, not quite sure we're going to get that. Um, I, I So I don't anticipate them getting the trade. If the Colts are just going to want to move on, they do not want to pay him the guarantee. His contract becomes or what was the number here? Uh, he gets obviously a roster bonus, a five million dollar roster bonus, but I believe he also has um, his base salary becomes guaranteed on that date, which is why that there's a this conversation about what his future is going to be. They cut him. Uh, they would take a fifteen million dollar dead cap hit, free up a little bit more than thirteen million dollars in cap space, but then obviously they don't have a quarterback on the roster. Um, with all due respect to Sam Ellinger, Ellinger is not going to be their week one starter for next year. So then they're going to enter back into the QB market. And then the question is going to be, even with that extra $13 million in space, are they going to, they'll probably find somebody on a a lower, shorter term deal, but will they find anybody that's actually going to provide them better play than Carson Wentz? They don't have a first round pick to take a quarterback because they used it to get Carson Wentz in the first place. So uh, this is just such a, Incredibly convoluted situation. Um, but for me, I don't think this affects Jonathan Taylor at all one way or the other, quite frankly. Right. He's kind of safe they, from this. Yeah. Right? Like he's I, I insulated from a quarterback change. I do think it impacts Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman. It, it, it impacts you're not drafting any of the Colts wide receivers right now. Like right. You're not, you're not going, prior to the draft, again, it's always possible to take one, although I feel like they're going to address the offensive line first. But you're not taking T.Y. Hilton. You're not taking Paris Campbell. You're not taking Zach Pascal. Um, you're not excited to draft any of the tight ends. So, like, the reality is, is really the only person this really affects significantly could be Michael Pittman Jr. Because I'm not overly worried about Jonathan Taylor, regardless of the quarterback situation. So, I, it's interesting to me, Jamie, because where my brain initially went with this is, can, can I use Denver as the example here? Because I think they're the yeah. best example for this, is that, like, there has been so much talk and so much noise about Denver, Washington, Carolina. Those are three teams, but there are other teams that are probably going to be in the mix to make these phone calls. To call about Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, if that situation gets to a point where he's going to be traded. Carson Wentz clearly not on the tier of those three quarterbacks. But I would argue Carson Wentz is clearly an upgrade from what Denver was rolling out there at quarterback last year. So they're in this weird spot where they got to make phone calls to see where Green Bay's at, to see where Seattle's at, to see where Houston might be at. But then they can't necessarily give up on an opportunity if Carson Wentz is made available because he's certainly not going to cost as much as those other three quarterbacks. The quarterback market is so weird to me, Jamie. And like Carson Wentz could, Carson Wentz feels like he's the consolation prize. But at the same time, he might be the first guy off the board because the Colts have some urgency to move him the price isn't going to be as high and i don't know if denver carolina or washington wants to be the team that's left without a quarterback no but see here's the thing and this is where in my mind this argument always gets lost in the general discourse carson wentz would have suitors as a free agent i don't expect him to have suitors as a trade candidate i just i do not think anybody wants to assume that contract and that cap hit for him so if Carson Wentz gets cut, different story. There are a lot of teams, and I believe Washington uh, is, you know, look, we have Ryan Fowler who writes for us, used to work for the Washington uh, Washington Commanders. I'm going to have to get used to that now. Uh, 
Please. And follows that team religiously, lives in that area. He is convinced Ron Rivera is going to go after a veteran QB option this offseason versus taking a quarterback with the 11th overall pick. And he actually wrote about that today at the draftnetwork.com. You can read that cheap plug. If Carson Wentz is available via the free agent market, I expect them to be players. If Denver, if Green Bay is able to, you know, kiss and make up with Aaron Rodgers, then I expect Denver to be players there. I just don't see anybody trading for him. I, I just don't see anybody assuming that I just the contract's terrible like this is it's even worse than what happened with Darnold and Carolina last year because at least with that it was one more year yes you took the fifth year option yes Darnold sucks yes Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold I'm not saying any of that but that was an additional one-year commitment this is a multi-year commitment beyond next season and a multi-year commitment for a lot more money than what Sam Darnold's cap is going to be this year on his fifth year option so I just can't see anybody trading for that contract Look, if, if Indy could get anything, quite frankly, if they could get like – I know we don't see future considerations in NFL trades like we do in baseball, but like even if they could get like future considerations, like a, a used jersey, whatever it could be, because that way they would completely eliminate themselves from any financial and salary cap incidents with Carson Wentz that can completely reset themselves. I just don't see somebody biting on the other side. Like it takes two to tango, as the kids say. I don't see the dance partner. All right, Jamie, you let me pick where we went first. Where do you want to go next? Then we got to talk about Kyler Murray, don't we? Like, what what is going on? Now, he no, released Jamie, a statement. It's so funny he, to say somebody released a statement on, on Instagram. But listen, Kyler what? said he's not about the drama, okay? He said that. Now, if only there was a way that he could have stopped all of this from happening in the first place, but that's neither here nor there. So, Chris. all of The quote, all of this nonsense is not what I'm about, end quote. Hey, Kyler, can I, little little friendly advice here. If you didn't do what you did on Instagram, don't know if we would be in this nonsense that you don't want to be a part of. So, Chris, you and I are professional wrestling fans. Huge. Correct. Nothing changed over, yes. over the course of no. the last talk. Okay. So, there, there's this phrase that gets used. It's called a heel program. And what that means, it's two bad guys facing each other. Or essentially, the two people in the wrong going up against one another. And sure. That's what this Don't know is. who to root for. Right. This is a heel program. Kyler Murray created this controversy by deleting everything on his Instagram. Uh, everything could, but two pictures, please. Correct. All his Cardinals-related uh, items on there. He also creates this because he's got terrible body language. And I know, as you pointed out a lot, both on this podcast and in our various meetings about the juxtaposition between Russell Wilson on the Manning cast talking about rallying his team versus the quick cut to Kyler Murray just sitting on sitting the, bench on the, the bench. sideline. Hanging However, the leaks coming from the Cardinals organization to Chris Mortensen and others, which are they are absolutely coming from the Cardinals organization, and I know that for a fact because we've heard similar things before from sources in that group. And I think it's important to note, this is me speculating, but Chris Mortensen, and I've seen people point this out on Twitter, he's not running with it if it's very low on the totem pole of Cardinals hierarchy of who's leaking this story to him. Yeah, correct. So you can take your guess of where it's coming from. And look, we've had connections you know, here and there with that organization for a while. We both lived there for a while, covered the team. Uh, this is not the first time we've heard these rumors. There is a grain of truth to them, but this is absolutely being used, uh, blown up and being used to counterpunch Kyler Murray. So everybody's in the wrong here on, on varying degrees. It's petty. It's stupid. It's unbecoming of a franchise quarterback. It's even more unbecoming of a franchise to be doing what they're doing. Um, I would, and to me, I think 
people would have been with the Cardinals up until the point where they leaked this stuff. They need to be better than what this was, than the hit job well, they're trying to, to counteract here with. Yes, Kyler Murray needs to be more mature, but if organizations act like this every time somebody got upset on social media, we would be dealing with this all the time. Like that's just the age we live in. It's the it's the people in our generation, Chris. That that this is how this stuff gets expressed. You know, you you break up with somebody, you you delete all your social me- you social media posts with them. Like this is just this is just the I should I would say the young millennials slash Gen Z way of, of dealing with these issues. So yeah, if I if I ever leave this podcast, that's how I'm going to tell you. I'm just going to delete every tweet that I've ever put out about this podcast and, and see if you notice. And then that's how I'm going to tell you that I'm going to leave the show. I say all of that to say Kyle Murray is going to be the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals in week one. Uh, yeah, like they're just not going to trade him, right? Like I just don't understand why there's this this, this groundswell of like, oh, the situation's unfixable. Uh, every situ- every situation's fixable. Now what did confuse me is there's a lot of smart people in this business the Mike Florios of the world, the Rich Eisens of the world, the Dan Patricks of the world, the sports radio in general, that were talking about this story. And the conclusion that they all kept coming to was Kyler was doing this for a contract extension. And where I want to pump the brakes on that is he's only now eligible for a contract extension. Like, it's only in this offseason that he's eligible for a contract extension. If he's throwing a fit before the season's actually over about getting a contract extension that he can't technically get until like a month from now, then I don't want Kyler Murray on my team if he's going to throw a fit that quickly. Like Here's the deal. The timeline didn't work for me. It doesn't. It's lazy. It's a lazy narrative. And and it's basically not based in any factual nature because look, does Kyler Murray want an extension? I'm sure he does. This is he's finally, when the new league year begins, he will be eligible to get an extension as would everybody else in that class in the first round, uh, I guess in general, not just the first round, but he, these negotiations for a Kyler Murray contract, were going to start beginning this off season. He could have started Regardless. a charity or he could have kicked the puppy. Whoa, these whoa, negotiations would have started or he could have deleted all his Instagram stuff. Like the, so the idea that he's doing this to get their attention on a contract doesn't make any sense to me because it's always on the table. There's, we wrote stories on the draftnetwork.com about Kyler Murray and, and others potentially getting an extension, what it might look like when they get to the end of the season. So this isn't it's just a lazy narrative. If you the believe that to me if, is, if, is if you wait, if you believe that this is all about a contract negotiation, that then you are saying that the Cardinals are the are one of the most lackadaisical, non-aware run organizations in all of football. Because you're acting as if they didn't know this was coming and they pissed Kyler off to the point that this was his reaction. Yeah, no. And and, the, the, and that's just unbelievable to me. Just, I just the, cannot believe that. The reality is, and sometimes, and, and I'll keep saying this, and, and again, I don't know this for a fact. I'm not going to pretend like a lot of these radio hosts that I know things for a fact when I don't. But to me, based on context clues, the pieces that I do know and trying to put all of this stuff together, I think this the simple answer here is the correct answer. Kyler Murray has some immaturity issues. He is he got better a little bit this year, but that is an issue that he has been working on that we've talked about on the show dating back multiple years now for those that have been longtime listeners. He has some immaturity issues. The way the season ended was brutal for the organization, for their head coach, for their quarterback. And quite frankly, it was an embarrassing playoff performance. And so all of that frustration, particularly in the immediate aftermath of the season, 
And particularly when people are finally being critical of Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has escaped a lot of criticism throughout his career for a lot of different things. And he's starting to finally feel it a little bit. Again, not all of it is his fault. I think his head coach deserves a lot of criticism as well as does the front office for the way they've drafted. But Kyler Murray does deserve at least a piece of the criticism pie. You put all of that together on a young player that has some maturity issues that's still trying to find his way. And this is the reaction. And at the end of the day, deleting photos off your Instagram, who gives a shit? Like, who gives a shit? He didn't badmouth his coach. He didn't badmouth his general manager. He didn't badmouth his teammates. He didn't go do something illegal. He didn't, like, who gives a shit? And at the end of the day, as much as I was like, all right, Kyler, you knew what you were, you knew what you were doing was going to get attention. So, like, you were doing this for attention. The response coming from every indication from the Cardinals organization to push back on that was 10 times more immature. So at this point, just figure it out. Just figure I will it out. say, it, I will say it does. It does give you pause when talking about this Cardinal team long-term, because again, to your point, Jimmy, I don't think as a singular incident, deleting Instagram photos is something that like is a big deal but in the grand scheme of we've talked a lot about kyler's leadership abilities and now and now we've reached a point where there's just stuff getting leaked everywhere some of it not true some of it true it's just just noise is just being pumped into the echo chamber of this conversation and so like kyler's gonna have to answer for this part of it's his own doing and part of it is the Cardinals kind of pushing this and it getting pushed from, from outside sources. So it's going to be very interesting to see the way this plays out. But I think to, to wrap this up, Kyler's not going anywhere. He's going to be the quarterback of the Cardinals next season. Where this goes from there, I think, is an interesting conversation because if he has another disappointing end to the season, I think Steve Keim has question marks. I think Cliff Kingsbury has question marks. And I think there will be question marks about Kyler if he has more second-half struggles like, like this team has had over the last couple of seasons. I think that will be then three years, four years in a row in which this has happened, and then you can start to have those conversations. Well, quite frankly, I, the front office, uh, Keim and Cliff, Cliff won't be there if that happens. Like, just quite frankly, it's just not happening. So this, this is a make-or-break year for a lot of people in the Cardinals organization. And quite frankly, the narrative doesn't get talked about. Where's Super Bowl being played next year? Arizona, what's happened the last two years? The NFC team that's hosting the Super Bowl has won the Super Bowl. Like, that's going to be a, a talking point. Listen, it doesn't, I, I know it's not really a big deal, but not to get too political, but the governor of the state of Arizona had a press conference yesterday in the state because it's now Arizona has taken over the hosting job and now they, they get to work, they get to start things. And he said at his press conference, can't wait to have home field advantage next year in the Super Bowl. It's now a narrative. It's a narrative because of what has happened in the last two seasons. It's not the Cardinals' fault. But because Tampa did it in the pandemic year and now the Rams did it this year, there's now this expectation of, wow, the Cardinals are good. The Super Bowl is in their home stadium. They got to get there. And if they miss the playoffs or if they get in and they're one and done again, boy, it's not going to be a great look. Uh, any, anything else? Any any of the other? Because we could talk about all the – we could talk about Rodgers if you want. We could talk about all these quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I think we should talk just briefly about Rodgers before getting on to the mock draft because he's actually going to be the first player that comes off the board. So this will be a good uh, transition into round seven. It's a little tease there, Chris. Oh, okay. I, I thought you meant like off the board in real life of getting moved. No, he's like, the first um... guy off the board in round seven here in my mock draft. So this will be a good way to kind of transition out of this, Chris. I'm a professional. I I don't have a read right now on where Rodgers is going to go. It's the best the best their, their, their relationship has ever been, Jamie, please. Allegedly. That's if, what it's – no, I saw a tweet. I read a tweet about it. So – if I had gun to my head, 
my my guess would be he leaves Green Bay still. I, I'm I still think he's going to be playing somewhere other than in Green Bay for 2022. But I'm less confident about that now than I think I've been since the season began. So you're greater than 50%, but not as high as you probably were. Yeah, because I was like 90%. Like I, I was already like in my head just assuming he was going to be gone. You, you 70-30? 60-40? I say 51-49? No, I'm not, I'm not 51-49. I'm not that close. Um, I, I would say I'm probably 65-35. Let's just say two-thirds, one-third. Two-thirds he's gone. 66-33. Look at that. Yes. Okay. And then one percent he retires. Well, so you're giving it you're giving it a non-zero chance. You're yes. Um, so I don't see how any of the issues that have been present all along are suddenly repaired now. I know the phrase "time heals all wounds," but like I don't feel like it really has. And and I know we've seen the reports that Green Bay is going to come. To you know, spending up to the cap and maybe doing void years to try to – basically going all in, the, the the New Orleans method to to make Aaron Rodgers happy and to make another run. I, I just don't – I just don't see how if these issues were bad enough where they were last year where you're leaking all this information, you're threatening to reti- retire and go host Jeopardy, you're doing all this, all of a sudden that's just going to go away. And they're going to have to pay Devontae Adams. And, you know, like it, it's – I just I just don't see this happening. What, what, what I do think is going to happen is I, I do think Green Bay is going to make every effort for Aaron Rodgers to come back. But Aaron Rodgers is going to be the one that makes this decision, quite mm-hmm. frankly. And I just don't see how anything is changing for Rodgers here. But something. But the other factor is: is can you put everything together the way he wants? Does he have a specific team in mind? And that is going to be the big question for me, because the the Packers aren't releasing Aaron Rodgers. He's going to get traded if he leaves the team to the team that Rodgers wants to go to. Question is: is is it just one? Does he have his heart set on Denver? Does he have his heart set somewhere else? Or is he willing to go to a plethora of teams? Because if he's only willing to go to one team, it makes the negotiation quite difficult. And the question is, is if what? Let's say it's Denver, since always that's always seems to be the favorite. And obviously, he's got an old friend uh, that he's coached that coached an him. old that's friend, the head coach there. This is his friend last season. I know. It's a, I'm just I'm joking. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett. If Denver knows he's the only place that he's willing to go, and again, this was the conversation we had a lot with Miami and Deshaun Watson six, eight, ten months ago. It's the only place that he's willing to go. It's tough to get full value for him. But does Green Bay say, if we're not going to get full value, then we're just going to force you to sit. Because we know you're not going to retire. So my guess is he still gets traded uh, and the Packers restart start their clock again with Jordan Love and a bunch of capital, maybe another uh, maybe another roster player on the ro- uh, that gets sent over. Talked about like Jerry Judy and picks. But... I'm a little bit less confident in that now than I was a few months ago. And again, that's the huge story of the offseason. It affects Aaron Jones. It affects Devont- potentially Devontae Adams if he gets franchise tagged. Um, it affects Aaron Rodgers. It affects the organization that Aaron Rodgers could go to. Like the, the, That's going to be the one that has the, the most wide-ranging effects because you, know, you could talk about like Deshaun Watson. We could talk about some of these other guys. But Deshaun Watson is going to affect one team. He's not going back to Houston. So he's affecting one team. Aaron Rodgers is going to affect the complete fantasy value for two different teams wherever mm-hmm. he goes to. 
or doesn't go to. Because everybody that's drafted all these Denver guys, if he stays in Green Bay, Denver's got to figure out the quarterback situation. Like, I think if we're just kind of assuming, oh, they're going to get Aaron Rodgers, what what if they don't? You're not running it back with Drew Locke. You you taking a quarterback at nine? You you taking Malik? You going to bring in like Marcus Mariota? What are we doing here? He's available. Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Looks like Derek Carr staying in Vegas, so that guy's off the table. Carson Wentz. Like, I mean, like, there's some interesting effects here. We've all just kind of assumed that Rodgers is going to Denver. And you know what they say about assuming, Chris? What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind when you are online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All right, Jamie, we will segue right into, we got a lot of picks to get to, so we got to do some rapid fire Draft takes here as your way too early mock draft continues. Round seven and rounds eight on the docket for today. We are just we just talked about them, so I don't know how much more we're going to be able to add to the conversation. But joining Derek Henry, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Cooks, and TJ Hawkinson is kicking off the seventh round. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and look, so he, he comes in here. We, we've talked about the the quarterback run here. He's QB seven. Uh, that's where he falls on, on my list right now. Uh, again, we have to – I don't think he's – as I say here in the article that you can read at thedraftnetwork.com under the fantasy tab, he's not going to a, a bad situation. If he, if he goes out of Green Bay, he's not going somewhere where he doesn't have weapons. If he goes to Denver, he's obviously got three really quality pass catching weapons, maybe a fourth depending on what the Noah fan situation turns into. But he's not going anywhere. I imagine can I ask you a question? To- sure. Is – is any situation that Aaron Rodgers goes to a bad offensive situation when he when you're when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback? Did you think about that? Yes. Because I don't think so. I think he could go to any team on the planet because he's Aaron Rodgers. He's going to make everybody around him better. I mean, sure, he's going to make everybody around him better. It doesn't mean he's going to be in a better situation or a good situation. Like, it is what it is. If he goes back to Green Bay, I imagine Devontae Adams is also back. I can't imagine. If you tell me Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay, I can't imagine there's any scenario that's not with Devontae Adams. So uh, he's been incredibly productive. Obviously, his touchdown regression came back down to earth a little bit last year, to be expected, as always happens, but still had a very dominant season. Love him as a mid-level QB1 in fantasy. And look, he's not really showing many signs of slowing down at this point and really the only thing that stopped him in recent years has been like the clavicle injuries right like the so assuming he doesn't get sacked on his right shoulder again like he has a couple different times he's going to provide you qb1 value 7.2 joining jonathan taylor travis kelsey keenan allen dk metcalf saquon barkley and kareem hunt a guy that is never ever ever going to be available in the seventh round of any of your mock drafts that you do or any of the real drafts that you do between now and the beginning of the fantasy football season joe burrow comes off the board here jamie i just want you to know ahead of time there is not a chance this is one the year that he had 
if they get offensive line help in the draft, he ain't going to the seventh round. He's going to be one of the four quarterback, first four quarterbacks off the board. Yeah, and that would be incorrect and wrong. But yes, I don't think you're wrong. I think the, the premise would be wrong. But look, this is where he deserves to go. Um, you know, quite frankly, he was QB nine in average fantasy points per game this year. But he's got high end weapons. You love the group he's got with Chase and Higgins and Boyd and maybe Uzoma back. We'll see Mixon coming out of the backfield. The way he ended the season and the postseason runs absolutely going to raise his draft stock, Chris, like you said. But again, I would not overpay for these quarterbacks. There are 12 quarterbacks I am more than happy to start my season with as a QB one. So in a single QB league like this mock is for, I'm not reaching, especially for these mid-level guys. Like there's not a lot of difference between QBs seven and QB 10. Like there just really isn't. And if, Somebody wants to take Joe Burrow as a top five QB, by all means, you, you're, you're basically buying him at his absolute upside, which means there's no chance for you to get value on your pick and a good chance that you're going to get uh, diminishing returns. But I'm not going to talk him down. He's in a good situation. And again, if they get some offensive line help, which you have to imagine is going to happen, like there's just no way it doesn't happen this year uh, because he's going to get killed behind that offensive line. He almost got killed in the Super Bowl behind that offensive line. We saw the knee injury that scared everybody. We almost had a second catastrophic knee injury in Super Bowl 56, but love him what he has. But yeah, I, I would say just somebody in your league is going to reach and look, if you have fun, you know, if you're a Bengals fan, th- th- that's the other element of this too, of like fantasy is fun at the end of the day, unless you're paying for like thousands, thousands of dollars, it's fun. And if you want to draft Joe Burrow around early, cause you like watching him play by all means, I just will not be that person. I will criticize you harshly on the podcast. Uh, pick 7.3. Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, Josh Allen, and Mike Williams is this team. Boy, do I love this next guy, and I love gonna, I love the opportunity to talk about this next guy. Don't worry, he's going to play because he's a rookie, and he's the first rookie wide receiver off the board here. Some have referred to him as Debo Samuel 2.0. I'm doing this just to see if I can get a reaction out of Jamie. Traylon Burks is the pick here at 7.3. So he's not Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel no, I was just is, is a one of one. As Chris knows, that, that's an inside joke that we have with all these comps. Remember when everybody coming out was was the next Tyreek Hill? Like, I, I get it. Uh, everybody wants to make a comp to these guys, but it's not that easy. But I do like Traylon Burks a lot in redraft. He would not be my top wide receiver pick for Dynasty, but for one-year redraft, uh, I think there's a really good chance he's the first wide receiver off the board in the real-life NFL draft. And entering himself into a really interesting situation where he has the chance to be like the potentially the wide receiver one in a place like Atlanta. Um, you could be the wide receiver one in a place like Cleveland, which again, this is about the range where you should take the wide receiver one, which is where that why Beckham was hanging around here in previous year's drafts. Uh, you know, does he go to New Orleans as, as a compliment to uh, Michael Thomas? Does So there's, there's a lot of different options here. Uh, I like him as a guy that you can put in a flex spot or as a high-end bench player for you because he can be a, a high-volume player and also a red zone threat. And I think teams are going to get really creative. They're going to get the ball in his hands. And again, we always talk about this. Talent and opportunity are equal of, excuse me, of equal importance in fantasy. And I think he's going to get, Burks is going to get a lot of opportunities to get the ball in his hand. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. He's not. If you're expecting Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase numbers from any of these rookie wide receivers, you're going to be severely, severely disappointed. But if you take a guy like Traylon Burks and hope that you get just weekly flex level upside, I think you're going to be pretty happy. Uh, I'm happy with him here. He's coming my first rookie wide receiver off the board. 
Brentley Wiseman had the last mock for the Draft Network. He put Traylon Burks 13 to the Browns. I think that makes a ton of sense. You mentioned the Saints. Uh, Jamie, my New York Jets, I think, could potentially take him at 10 if they don't love a lot of yep. the defensive players on the board and they value him and his skill set. He fits exactly. I know we. I, I joked about the Debo Samuel comp, but he does a lot of those things. The Jets run the San Francisco style of offense, so he does fit. There are places where he could go and be an immediate day one, year one impact player yes. and do all of those things. Again, I think we've been spoiled the last couple of years of what to expect from a first-round wide receiver, and we need to contextualize that a little Correct. bit. But uh, he, he's not Waddle. Here. He's not Chase. He's, he's not, not Jefferson. Devonta Smith. Well, he's not Look. Devonta Smith. I mean, Devonta Smith was like the wide receiver, like 30-ish. So like, I could see him. He's not that talented. But but in terms of like where he finished fantasy-wise, uh, I, I think that's reasonable. Like I, th- I think he could be hanging around the top 30 wide receivers by the end of the season, which, again, is fine. I don't think any of these wide receivers have – that kind of upside. As I talked about on the last show, this rookie class for playmakers for fantasy doesn't have the upside of last year. No, and it's going to be very situational driven. As I said on the last show, it's going to depend on where these guys go and what their roles can be right away. Uh, 7.4 joining Alvin Kamara, Antonio Gibson, Deontay Johnson, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and Jalen Hurts. A.J. Dillon, and, and Jamie, this is an interesting one because you're drafting a guy who is the backup to a running back in Aaron Jones. But as we saw in the second half of the season, Man, Aaron Jones gets get, uh, Aaron Jones gets a good amount of the workload. So does AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon is used a lot. There's some volume here for AJ Dillon. Yeah, and it, that's the thing is there's going to be a lot of volume for him. I think that's going to continue into next year. And this is an interesting one because this is almost, I think Aaron, excuse me, AJ Dillon is more Aaron Rodgers proof than Aaron Jones, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like Aaron Jones's fantasy value would take more of a hit if Rodgers leaves than A.J. Dillon because I think if Rodgers leaves, there's going to be a higher volume of overall running, and A.J. Dillon's going to be a beneficiary of that. Um, the reality to me is this is a player that's not is much more like Kareem Hunt. It's much more than just a handcuff. Like, he is going to have a significant role. Finishes the RB22 in total points last year. Borderline top 30 running back in average fantasy points. I think if you're going to take him as your your running back three potential flex option, even if if Aaron Jones stays healthy all year, there's going to be value for AJ Dillon. They love the way they use him, and they tend to get him really up and rolling later in the year when the weather gets cold out in Green Bay, and they want to just punish opposing defenses, particularly near the in the red zone. AJ Dillon gets his opportunities, so he is somebody I want on my roster regardless of whether or not I have Aaron Jones and regardless of whether or not Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay or not. 7.5 joining Joe Mixon, Debo Samuel, Dave Montgomery, DJ Moore, Patrick Mahomes, and Michael Pittman Jr. Unrestricted free agent. Don't know where he's going to play next season. Chase Edmonds and Jamie, the point you make here is if Chase Edmonds does return to Arizona, probably should go a little bit higher than this. But because of the uncertainty, this is where he lands. Yeah, and it's interesting because both Chase Edmonds and James Conner, who we haven't talked about yet, are both unrestricted free agents. So I do expect the Cardinals to bring one, if not both of them, back. Uh, I love the way they kind of complemented each other last year because, look, what was the big concern we had with Chase Edmonds going the last year was durability and being able to handle the full workload. Didn't really alleviate any of those concerns last season. And then James Conner was an absolute monster in short yardage and goal line situations. But didn't he lead the league in rushing touchdowns? Like, so or came very close if he didn't lead the league. Chris will have you look that up. But uh, we'll see what they end up doing here. I kind of expect him to return to Arizona, but we'll see what happens with him. Uh, He was okay. Um, You know, he had that one game where he left after one snap because he got hurt, which really kind of hurt his numbers. Because if you look at his end-of-the-year numbers, 
it was RB32 in total points, RB30 in average fantasy points per game, but he would have been a top 25 running back if you exclude the game that he got hurt on his only snap. So on a per game basis. So, you know, I, I kind of like if I can get him here in flex territory and I'm not relying on him as my RB2, I think he's got the upside to provide you RB2 value at some point. But there's just a lot of question marks right now where like I feel like he should go higher than this. But is he going back to Arizona? If he doesn't, what is his role going to be? Is he going to be limited to just a passing down third down back if he leaves? So there's just a lot of questions, durability. So I kind of like him right here for right now. 15 touchdowns for James Conner on the ground. That was tied for second most with Damian Harris. The disrespect that you didn't put uh, Jonathan Taylor's name, who led the league with 18, 18. touchdowns. How dare you? I thought, uh, for whatever reason, I thought James Conner at 18. That's why. Unbelievable. So. Uh, seven, 7.6, another quarterback coming off the board here, joining Dalvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Elijah Mitchell, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Amon Ross St. Brown. Boy, every time I read this team, I think I like it more and more. The more I just read it out loud. Uh, Dak your guys on what are your guys? Oh, that, on this yeah, that's a my guys kind of team right there. Uh, Dak Prescott is the pick here, quarterback. Off yeah, so QB nine now at this point, and like I said, this is where you start talking about some of these guys available here versus Rogers, Burrow, Dak Prescott. Pick your poison. Um, he kind of had it was like a weird year for Dak because there was an unbelievable amount of hype for his fantasy value coming into the year, given what he did before the catastrophic leg injury last season. Dropped 28.4 points on opening night against the Buccaneers. Like everybody was super excited about it. But then he kind of like failed to live up to expectations. Now, he wasn't horrible. He's QB nine in total points, QB eleven in average fantasy points per game. But that's not what you were expecting. Like people were paying for legit top four, top five, maybe even top three quarterback upside from him. And they didn't get it. And as I sat back to to write this and, and I thought about it for a second, I went, you know what? We were probably as a fantasy community asking too much of Dak this year. And we were probably underselling the massive uphill climb he had to face to not only overcome a absolutely gruesome leg injury that he suffered. It was week five, week six, the previous year, uh, but also the shoulder injury that bothered him the entire preseason that was very heavily featured on hard knocks. So we were probably expecting a lot of him he still gave you QB1 numbers. I still like him here, but he could lose Michael Gallup, could lose Cedric Wilson, could lose Amari Cooper. I mean, that 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 conversation's being had right now about an Amari Cooper trade. Uh, but he's still got plenty of upside. He's another year removed from the major leg injury, assuming, you know, shoulders should not be an issue for him. So still like him as a top 10 quarterback, but I'm not going to take him in the top five. Getting a lot of rookies coming off the board here. Pick seven, yeah. not seven. Joining Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown, Kyler Murray, and Odell Beckham Jr. is Kenneth Walker III. Yes. Big fan of this pick. Yeah, I, I like Kenneth Walker a lot. And this is a guy I expect to go high in the second round of the real-life NFL draft, which obviously you can follow along with all that information at thedraftnetwork.com. Another cheap plug here. But uh, – I think his first year value, his rookie season value is going to be heavily tied to his landing spot. And the reason why, and this is why he's below a guy like Isaiah Spiller, who we talked about in this going off the board in the sixth round. I don't know if he can be a true passing down player yet. He's not great in pass protection. He's nothing special as a receiver right now. I think those are elements of his game that he will grow into. And I'm excited to see how he can build off of those. But I don't think he has the, that skill set in his toolbox to make an impact in those areas in year one. So I have to kind of hedge here between if he lands in a spot where he can get a more featured early down role, 
and maybe he goes to a place that has a passing down back already, but they need somebody on first and second downs. I think he could have a really solid season and be really a really exciting player because I love what he can do on early downs. But if he goes somewhere that's going to look at him more as a multi-year project in the sense of like we're not expecting him to be the guy or carry a big workload in year one. We want him for years two, three, and beyond. I could see his fantasy value being stunted a little bit, which is kind of why I have him here in the middle of round seven. Love the talent, love the long-term outlook for him, but I think his fantasy value for redraft in one year is going to be very, very, very dependent on where he gets drafted. Pick 7.8, a guy that did not get to play in the Super Bowl was injured uh, midpoint, midpoint of the season. Robert Woods, wide receiver from the Los Angeles Rams. And Jamie, I'll tell you right now, sitting here thinking about Robert Woods, I think... Bobby Trees. Bobby Trees, I think in casual fantasy formats. By the way, sorry, Chris, I don't mean to cut you off there, but the fact that the Rams players themselves call him Bobby Trees is great. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Bobby Trees. Um, you made me lose my train of thought. Let me see if I can gather it here very quickly. Uh, casual, I, I casual, in more casual formats, I think Robert Woods is going to be a forgotten guy. Yes. Because, I, and I, this is a, this is, you're, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I say this all the time. This is, fantasy football is very much a what have you done for me lately kind of thing. And, Robert Woods doesn't have that lasting memory. Got hurt so long ago. Didn't play in the postseason. Didn't play in the Super Bowl. And I, I think, Jamie, he's going to be one of those forgotten guys. But Cooper Cup's very good. I had an all-time great season. Robert Woods is also really good in that offense. Like, he, this works. He's a very good player. And so I think getting him here in the seventh round, I think, would be a home run. Because I think he's going to come back from the the um, the injury, the torn ACL, no problem. Um He's had all this time to recover. I think he's going to be good, and I think he's going to provide you some value. Again, if you're not asking him to be your wide receiver one or your wide receiver two, you're getting him here in this kind of this kind of landing spot. I think it's a home run. Yeah, we're we're, we're in wide receiver three flex territory here. And look, he finishes a top fifteen wide receiver and average fantasy points per game in the nine games that he did play. He's an integral part of the Rams' offense, not only as a receiver but as a blocker in the run game. And look, even if the Rams do bring Odo Beckham Jr. back, Beckham's not going to be ready for Week One with that torn ACL. It's just not going to happen. Robert Woods is going to be ahead of Odell Beckham in their ACL recovery here. I do expect a little bit of a ramp up. He might get off to a little bit of a slow start to the season, but you're drafting Robert Woods as a guy that I think could be a potential league winning asset to you in the back half of the season. And I think this is a guy that I could very well see him being a steady presence in your lineup for 10, 11, 12 weeks to end the season. It might be a little bit of a slow start, but Robert Woods is going to absolutely have a major role in this Rams offense. He's proven how good he can be. Obviously, he's been a, a high floor player for a number of years. I'm with you, Chris. I think he's going to get a little bit forgotten about, and I'm going to want to take advantage of that, particularly in best ball formats. 7.9, joining Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, Mark Andrews, Terry McLaurin, Damian Harris, Darnell Mooney. I'm just checking my notes here. Uh, Jimmy, this team does not have a quarterback yet. You didn't give them a quarterback here. You gave them Melvin Gordon, just loading up on the on the running backs. Yeah, and look, Gordon's going to go higher than this. I just got to see where he lands. Um, you know, look, we talked about this all year, the Gordon versus Javante Williams kind of train, and they were pretty much the same player. They got the same workload. They scored the same fantasy points per game at 11. Like, Gordon had a really, really strong season that everyone tried to so desperately ignore because they wanted to see more of Javante Williams. Here's one thing, though, I am fairly certain of. Like, Melvin Gordon will not be back in Denver this year. So there's a lot of question marks. Where is he going to go? What his workload's going to be? So he deserves to go higher than this, and I imagine he will go higher than this once he lands with a team. But I, 
I don't know where he's going to go. Like, there's just not a lot of room for like guaranteed touches places. I think Miami would actually be a really good spot for for Melvin Gordon, to be perfectly honest with you. But we'll see where he ends up landing. Uh, but had a, I just want to point out with Melvin Gordon, just had a really good season. Everyone wanted to ignore it. Everyone wanted to dismiss it because they wanted Javante Williams. And I get it. I understand Javante Williams is a fun talent. But Melvin Gordon had a sensational season for Denver and was a big part of the reason why Denver remained in playoff contention for as long as they did. 7.10, joining Nick Chubb. Speaking of potential Chase, forgotten players. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Michael Carter, Michael Thomas, and Kyle Pitts. Again, an, another team that does not have a quarterback here in the seventh round. Uh, Travis Etienne comes off the board here. Remember him? This team. Uh, yeah. It, listen, you, you get hurt in training camp. The preseason of your rookie pre-season. year, and everyone forgets like, about you. It, it just, it's, it, a lot of stuff happens between now and then, and you, you get forgotten about, and here you are in the seventh round of fantasy drafts. And, and Jamie, I think not only do you have to question uh, – the guy coming back from an injury, but still haven't seen him play in an NFL game. There's an entirely new coaching staff there. I would assume that he's going to be utilized not as a wide receiver in Doug Peterson's offense. That's my assumption. Yes. Spare me. So I think it's going to work, but now I'm another year removed from him playing in Clemson. They're just question marks, and I think you take that into where he is in in this mock draft. And that's the thing. There's a lot of question marks we have because, quite frankly, Liz Frank injuries scare the hell out of me. Those, again, longtime listeners of the show remember Jake's long rants about Liz Frank injuries and how that their effect they have on players. But at this draft value, I'm willing to buy it on the upside for a number of reasons. One, I think he's going to a better situation now than he would have entered last year. Coaching stats going to be more professional, for lack of a better phrase. I do think it's important to not undersell the chemistry that he and Trevor Lawrence have. And I think that is going to help him get back up to speed quicker than you normally would have when you have strong chemistry with the quarterback that relied on him very heavily in a lot of ways at Clemson. The other factor that you have to consider here is that ATN is likely to be back at full strength before James Robinson, who tore his Achilles late in the season. So his biggest piece of competition in the backfield is might not be ready for week one. So, and either way, he's going to be more, uh, ATN will be more ramped up and participating in more training camp activities than James Robinson. So, I do think the pass catching upside is pretty significant. Expecting the Jaguars not to retain DJ Chark next year, uh, I expect them to get very creative with the way that they use ETN. Uh, so I'm excited to see how he plays. I think we might he might be a guy that is, in addition to his running back duties, is used on some of the plays that Jamal Agnew was used on to create some mismatches late in the season. It's a guy that he popped up into fantasy flex territory from time to time. So a lot of question marks here. But I think there's also a lot of upside. And look, we're, we're already at the pick. What, what are we at here? Like, um, just to do the math really quickly, what this is pick out 82, 83. So we're outside the top 80 here. Uh, I'm willing to take that chance. 7.11, joining Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, George Kill, Josh Jacobs, Devin Singletary, and Isaiah Spiller. I will note another team that does not have a quarterback. Jamie's just leaving these teams without quarterbacks. Uh, Devonta Smith joins this team. We talked about him a little bit earlier in the show. Yeah, we did. Uh, solid, unspectacular is how I, I would characterize his rookie season. Uh, finishes the wide receiver 31 in total points, wide receiver 39 in average fantasy points per game, and kind of had some boomer bust to his game. Like he had five games with more than 15 and a half fantasy points, but eight games under seven. Um, and the inconsistency at quarterback, from quarterback play, I should say, was significant. Um, he has been was and will continue to be held back by his quarterback. But if you can get him at a value, which I don't know because it's weird because he's a sexy name, but he burned some people this last year. So I don't know if he is a, an overdraft candidate anymore. But 
if I can get him as my wide receiver three, I want to bet on the talent. I want to bet on some progression from Jalen Hurts and uh, another year in the offense, another year of getting things under control. But I wouldn't overdraft him because I, I do think as good as he is, situation matters, and he's attached to, especially from a real-life standpoint, a below-average quarterback, uh, probably a significantly below-average quarterback from a passing standpoint. Seven. Point 12, the last pick in the seventh round, joining Javante Williams, Devonte Adams, CeeDee Lamb, Darren Waller, Miles Sanders, and Justin Herbert, another rookie. Potentially the first receiver off the board in the, in the draft in April. Could be Chris Olave. Why are people so down on Chris Olave in well, the real-life fantasy draft and, so, and in fantasy? So, so Excuse Jamie, me, in the real-life NFL draft and in fantasy. You know how this works, Jamie. He, before the season, wide receiver one, he's in that spot, has a season, and then we're like, ah, we just can't keep talking about Chris Olave as wide receiver one. We got to change it up. We got to mix things up a little bit. And so now it's Traylon Burks, and then it'll be Garrett Wilson for a little bit. And we'll do this. We'll just go through this cycle. And then by the time April rolls around, everyone's like, yeah, no, Chris Olave, wide receiver one. Look, uh, his situation's going to matter too, but we want to talk about game-breaking talent and potential ceiling for some rookie wide receivers. It's tough to say that any rookie wide receiver has a higher ceiling in year one, the Chris Olave. A, a smooth route runner, game breaker on the outside, should be a first-round pick in the real-life draft. You know, yes, do, do you have concern that, you know, he's draft is getting catching passes from a sub-par quarterback? Yeah, and, and I think he's not a guy that you're going to manufacture touches for the same way you would for Traylon Burke, so you're going to kind of need a quarterback that can get him the ball, but what if he goes to L.A.? The Chargers. Sign I me mean, what, what if he goes to Green Bay? What if he goes to Kansas City? Now, it's it just like, so there's equal chance that like, oh man, this guy could be a fly up the boards as there is. Oh, okay, well, he's going to New Orleans or New England type of a thing. So I like him a lot. I like his potential upside here. Again, we're in wide receiver. Th- we're now deep into wide receiver three flex territory. I want to bet on some upside here. And this team in particular, you've got Devontae Adams. You've got CeeDee Lamb. Uh, you feel pretty good about those two players for you starting out your wide receiver core. And you got Darren Waller at tight end. So you got some really good pass catchers on this particular roster. Let's shoot for some upside here. We're into the eighth round, Jamie. The bonus eighth round. Bonus. You don't have a lot. You don't have, you just have these pixels. So you don't have a lot of analysis here. So it'll be fun because I'm going to get your analysis kind of raw here on the show. So pick eight, pick 8.1, joining the team that you just gave Chris Olave to. You're going to add another rookie. You're going to add Kyron Williams to the team. Yeah, Kyron Williams is another player that everybody seems to be down on all of a sudden uh, in the draft and fantasy community. But I, I like him a lot. I like his ability to catch passes out of the backfield. And look, as, as I ta- look, Dynasty is different than redraft. This is a redraft mock. And the reality is, is you got to find a way for these rookie running backs to get on the field and not get on the field because just be- just assuming injury because it's not that simple. Kyron Williams has a skill set, particularly on late and long downs to make an impact wherever he goes. I expect him to be a potential second round, maybe third round pick in the real life draft as well. So he should see a significant role early on. Want to take that upside here. This guy's got Javante Williams and Miles Sanders. Need some other upside here because you never know what, you know, he's a little weak at, at running back too. So this is a team that's going to need to take some chance and some upside guys and give me Kyron Williams as an opportunity here. What is he, the third rookie running back off the board for me? We are now into the three teams that I mentioned not having quarterbacks. You're going to give all three of them quarterbacks here in the eighth round. You're going to start uh, by adding Trey Lance to Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, George Kittle, Josh Jacobs, Devin Singletary, Isaiah Spiller, and Devonta Smith. Uh, So Trey Lance comes off the board here. I'm assuming this is your way of saying Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be in San Francisco next season. I I do not expect Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco next season. Correct. And look, Trey Lance, his rushing upside is really exciting. Uh, I'm very curious, and I'm really excited, by the way, 
uh, assuming everything plays out the way we expect it to play out, to see how Trey Lance operates behind the San Francisco offense uh, for a full season with a full training camp and a chance to be the starter. Uh, I just do not see Jimmy Garoppolo returning at this point. You, you, you're pot committed to Trey Lance, and I'm really excited to see how he operates. Rushing upside is obviously huge. He's got a big arm. He's got weapons. Uh, he's performed pretty darn well when he had the the brief opportunities to be a starter just because, look, he's got, he has all the pieces that you want in a fantasy quarterback. I'm excited for him next year. Again, this is what, QB 10? This is why I'm talking about, like, don't, don't rush these quarterbacks. Like we're talking about QB 10, 11, 12 in these next three picks. And I'm pretty excited about all of them. This is why I don't think you need to force the issue in the middle rounds by overreaching for these mid-level QB ones. Uh, next up, you're adding Matt Stafford to Nick Chubb, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Michael Carter, Michael Thomas, Kyle Pitts, Travis Etienne. Can I share something with you? Because I don't know if you're a you devoted, I don't know if you're a devoted listener to the Draft Dudes podcast, but yesterday on the show, we talked about Matthew Stafford as a Hall of Famer. And I said, this is not even a question. He was a Hall of Famer before the Super Bowl. And I think the Super Bowl is going to lock things up. And then we were talking about Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers. And so I got a tweet sent to me. And I have, I have agreed to do this. I have to rank the following quarterbacks in orders of their career. And I will read oh, the just like the Eli Manning, Rivers. So okay. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Brett Favre, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Donovan McNabb, Carson Palmer, Philip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Tony Romo, Matt Ryan, Kurt Warner, Matt Stafford. I have to take all those quarterbacks and okay, rank them guys. in their careers, and then I'm going to be judged on it next week. Okay, I'm excited for that. So that'll yeah. be so, that'll be very interesting. And but, so because Matt Stafford's on that list and he's the pick here, that's why I brought that up. And I think this is a good pick, Jamie, because I think Matt Stafford, you know how I feel about Stafford. I think he's a little bit underrated in, in the fantasy realm. I think he provides you great value despite throwing all those interceptions at times. Uh, and I think this Super Bowl run is going to put him into the mainstream a little bit more. And I think he's probably going to go higher than this in terms of quarterbacks off the board. He might, although I still think he probably might be a little bit underrated for fantasy because uh, I, I actually could see guys like Lance and, and the next QB off the board who won't spoil yet going a little bit higher than this just because of their prominent draft value in the teams that they play for. But, you know, look, Matthew Stafford had another very, very solid fantasy season. It was great early on, tapered off a little bit, had some interceptions in, uh, late, but he's got plenty of weapons. Obviously, Cooper Cup will be back. Robert Woods will be back. Maybe they'll have Odo Beckham Jr. Hopefully, maybe they get a step forward from Van Jefferson, who I torched on our last on our last show. Uh, but I, I, what's not to like? Um, it, this is the value that Matthew Stafford should always be going in. He's been very consistent. It's when people started taking him in the top five or six among quarterbacks when I always had that pushback. But taking him right around QB10 as a bottom end QB1, because, you, again, you've, you've made seven really strong picks to your roster and they get to add Matthew Stafford in the round eight as your QB. That's the dream right there. Justin Fields, the next quarterback off the board, Jamie, joining Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, Mark Andrews, Terry McLaurin, Damian Harris, Darnell Mooney, and Melvin Gordon. Yeah, so here's QB12 here, Justin Fields. Uh, getting a full season, a full offseason to be the guy to work with the first-team offense. I do expect them to add some pass-catching weapons to his roster alongside Darnell Mooney. Uh, I'm really excited to see how he operates in, in this new offense that they're going to run for him. This is actually going to be designed for him to have success versus kind of square peg and round hole with what was Matt Nagy slash Bill Lazor's offense. Uh, has the rushing upside. The same type of upshot as like Trey Lance has. So I have no issues with this as well. I think there are 12 there. I think there's a little bit of a tear break after this to some of the other QBs, but I think there's um, a very clear group of 12 here. And it was going to be a group of 13, but Tom Brady retired mid mock. So there we go. 
Uh, Dawson Knox coming off the board here at 8.5, joining Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, Calvin Ridley, Adam Thielen, J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson, and Robert Woods. Yeah, we're now into this next tier uh, of tight ends. So we're at, at this point, this is tight end seven, I believe. So we're, we're, we're into this next tier here when you get past like the Kyle Pitts's and the T.J. Hawkinson's of the world. Love the season Dawson Knox just had. Want to see if he can repeat it. Uh, looked like a completely different player. I do think it's replicatable because he was used differently. He looked like a different player. Had some struggles late in the season that at least are notable, which is why he doesn't deserve to be in the, the, the second tier of tight ends. But as we kind of break into this third tier, where quite frankly, we're guessing. Like this tight end position is always brutal. Uh, I'd actually be okay if he sat back and waited a little bit longer. If he said, you know what, I'm just going to basically punt on tight end and just take some upside guys late. But I didn't want to do that here in this draft. Give this team now that has all their starting positions filled, except for tight end. Let's give them Dawson Knox, who is the best of the rest remaining. Another rookie coming off the board here. We mentioned him as part of those trio of wide receivers. Garrett Wilson joining a team that's got McCaffrey, Elliott, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown, Kyler Murray, Odell Beckham Jr., and Kenneth Walker the third. Yeah, like Garrett Wilson's floor. Uh, I think he could be a pretty high floor rookie. Uh, you know, I know he's been linked to a lot of teams. He's been linked to the Jets, for example, uh, at 10. Uh, I like his – he's a really – he's a good route runner. He's crisp. He can do a lot of things. I don't think he's got the same year one upside as any of the, the wider – the other three rookie wide receivers that we've talked about so far. But he's got a pretty high floor. And again, for this is a team that has gone with some upside. Now, I, they drafted Odell Beckham before the ACL injury. So let, you have to pretend like this team you know, would have had another wide receiver there. But as a team with three really good wide receivers, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown, and it, you know Odell Beckham replacement – they're looking for guys that can maybe find their way into their roster and some flex positions there because they have upside already at the wide receiver spot. So I, I like to, taking Garrett Wilson here. If you want to flop him with another one of those rookie wide receivers, I think it's fine. I don't think there's a huge amount of difference between those guys. I don't think there's a clear, definitive, no doubt, rookie wide receiver one, and nor do I think any of them will be anywhere close to the rookie wide receiver ones that we've seen over the last two years. Uh, you mean none of them are going to be Jamar Chase? I can't believe it. No, I don't uh, think any of them are like even top 15 wide receivers. Like, I mean, to expect anybody to be Chase or, or Jefferson's asking a lot, I don't think they're even going to be top 15 guys. I don't think they're going to be like Jalen Waddle even. Another tight end coming off the board here. Dallas Goddard, 8.7, joining Dalvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, Hopkins, Elijah Mitchell, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Dak Prescott. Man, you just keep adding players to this team, and I just like them more and more. I like yeah. this team. Again, another good player in that next tier of tight ends. Just got his fancy schmancy new contract from the Eagles a couple months fancy. ago. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for, for to see what his role is going to be in this Philadelphia offense next year. Obviously, a full season with no Zach Ertz. Do they add another wide receiver? Does Goddard's role continue to grow? Uh, again, solid option here. I feel like Dallas Goddard is going to finish inside the top 12 tight ends. Um, I don't think he's got top five upside. That's kind of where these guys are landing. Like, that's, I kind of feel the same way about him and Knox. Like I don't think these guys are finishing in the top five next year, but I also don't see them finishing outside of tight end one territory. I'll tell you what, they're both unrestricted free agents, but they, they might not be separated for very long because you're putting them together on the same fantasy team. James Conner joining the team that just drafted Chase Edmonds in the previous round. That's got Michael Pittman. It's got Patrick Mahomes, DJ Moore, Debo Samuel, Joe Mixon. So here's the thing. Even if, if James Conner goes back to Arizona, I think that's the best case scenario for him. But I want to be cautious about overdrafting him because James Conner is coming off of, before this year, a couple of very, very pedestrian season. Say the phrase, Jamie. Say the phrase. Nonlinear progression? No, no. I thought, my phrase say, here? I thought you were going to say touchdown regression for a guy who had 15 well, touchdown touchdowns Well, Well, that was going to be... Yeah, touchdown regression is obviously coming no matter what here. But I just think overall player regression uh, is a risk for him. So 
even if he returns to Arizona, I don't want – he maybe goes around earlier than this for me, but I feel like he's a guy I'm not going to have many shares of. I don't want to pay for last year's value for him because I think it's very unlikely he repeats it even if he returns to Arizona. Four picks to go here on the show, and a guy who finished the season so strongly here and gets into the eighth round, Rashad Penny. So here's – I don't know what to do with Rashad Penny for a number of reasons. He is a pending free agent because obviously the, the, the Seahawks did not pick up his fifth-year option because he did nothing until like the final five weeks of last season. Chris Carson's going to come back, it seems like. So what's this role going to be? Is he going to be split? Does he come back to Seattle at all? Is he splitting time? Like I, I feel like somebody is going to reach for Rashad Penny two rounds earlier than this, and I'm just going to let them do it. But I, this is a guy that's been – objectively bad at his job at injury prone up until like a one month stretch of his fourth season in the NFL. I'm just going to be cautious about buying in on, on, on the one month stretch. I'm just not going to do it. So if he falls to me in this spot, great. If he goes back to Seattle, he will go up on this list a little bit, maybe another round, just like James Connor, but it's not a guy I'm going to take with a top 50 or 60 pick. I just, just not going to do it. So quite ask another, another rookie coming off the board here, 8.10, James Cook joining Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, Josh Allen, Mike Williams, and Traylon Burks. I bet you this is going to be the most controversial pick of the rookies that I've done so far. And again, I, I will know. go back. 8.12 is pretty controversial to sneak that guy in there late in, in, in this process. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Love like, the look, pick, by the way. Here's the thing with James Cook, and I'm going to say the same thing as I said with Michael Carter last year. How do you get on the field as a rookie? is incredibly important in redraft. How do you get on the field? Um, James Cook is a very good pass catcher. Yes, that's how you get on the field. He is great at this job. He can find a role as a pass catching, third down, two-minute drill, four-minute drill back early in his career, almost no matter where he lands. So that is why I want to grab him here. And again, we'll obviously do remocks once we get to know everybody's teams and whatnot. But it's incredibly important to figure out the path to get a player on the field. And I will continue to beat this point home all summer long and when I do my projections and all this other stuff. Opportunity matters as much as talent, particularly for one year. We're not not doing a dynasty projection. You're doing one year. Opportunity matters as much as talent. And I think that James Cook will be presented more opportunities and maybe backs that have maybe more overall skill sets that might be, be might have an opportunity to be lead backs in two, three, four years. But for one year, James Cook has a trait that will get him on the field. 8.11, Brandon Ayuk. San yeah, Francisco what, what a complete players. turnaround in the second half of the year. A, a guy I was super high on coming into the year, did absolutely nothing. Debo Samuel got every and all targets. And then they turned Debo Samuel into a running back and – Brandon Ayuk got out of Kyle Shanahan's doghouse and became an integral part of the San Francisco 49ers offense. Uh, I'm assuming that whatever issues he had before will not carry him since I didn't carry over late in the season, won't carry over to next season. Uh, I was interested to see what his chemistry is going to be like with Trey Lance, but I absolutely love Brandon Ayuk in this spot. Uh, Again, has top his wide receiver two potential, not wide receiver two overall, but wide receiver two territory potential with him. Love him in this spot. All right, last pick of this way to early mock draft, Jamie, 8.12, another rookie coming off the board, Tyler Algier, rookie running back from the University of BYU. The University the University of Brigham Young University? Yes. Um, so here's what I, I – I wanted to kind of get a little spicy with this pick with Algier, and, and I thought about a few different guys in this spot. By the way, guy's uh, a the, guy runner, that ju- man. the guy that just missed out was Tony Pollard, by the way. Tony Pollard was the next, would be the next pick. 
So Algier's a hard runner, man. It's tough he's a to hard tackle. runner. And again, we talk about how guys get on the field. If a wide zone team takes him, he's going to get work. Well, see, here's the thing. I, I know you want to repair him up with Zach Wilson. But I don't, don't want to do anything him. that takes touches away from Michael Carter. That's fair. My friend Michael Carter. Are, I think the Jets are probably going to try to invest a, a day two or day three pick. Into I, I do think so. And, and by the way, he would be a – here's the thing. He's, he's a, a great fit. fit for the Jets. He's a great fit for what they He's a great be. fit for the Jets. He needs to go to a wide zone team, but there are a lot, but he could have a lot of success. Uh, I am he's one of those guys that I feel like can be that sneaky guy that goes in the in the late in the you know early day three of the real life NFL draft that all of a sudden by week seven or eight is like a must add. Uh, I love again, how does he get on the field? This is all about how do you get on the field? And I think if he plays for a wide zone team, he's a hard runner. He's got all the skill sets to be there. We'll, we'll start out as a complimentary piece. You're not going to get much from him in the early part of the season. But I do think he has a chance to be a starter for you as a flex player for the back half of the year. So I like him a lot. But um, some players I want to go over here quickly. And I want to see if any names pop in your head of guys that did not make the first eight rounds. Tony Pollard was the name that just missed out for me. Um, trying to think of who else. That uh, I mean, Daryl Henderson was in the conversation to come off the board here as well. Uh, he was a guy that just missed out. Uh, Chris Carson, a guy that just missed out. Allen Robinson on whatever new team he goes to just missed out was there any other names that popped out to you as just like glaring omissions with rookie or otherwise that did not so what this is what 96 picks if i'm not mistaken yeah, yeah it's almost 100, you know that's almost 100 players it's hard to to, to to think if there's anybody that is really left off i mean if, from a rookie standpoint no rookie quarterbacks so well, i think that's I think, you know I which think i think it's reasonable um, and by the way i don't think i have a rookie quarterback in my top 20 uh and, and i'm curious to see where that will end up uh, no Drake London. I know that that's one that you know might get some attention because Drake London is another guy that's been mocked a little bit to the Jets at ten. The, the Jets have been mocked every wide receiver and every like offensive lineman that's known to mankind in Love most quarters. Uh, no Drake London uh, in that spot. I'm trying to see if there's another wide receiver. Uh, uh, no Jamison Williams, and that's just because I don't know when he's going to play. Jamison Williams was in this mock, but once he tore his ACL in the championship game, he he missed it. Because uh, I, I don't know when he's going to get on the field. It could be a midseason next year type of a thing. So I think you're probably better off. Unless you're in best ball, you're better off just waiting for waiver wire uh, for a guy like Jamison Williams. Not a John Mechie fan. Don't think it, it just not doesn't do it for me, uh, both in the real-life draft and for fantasy. I, can't think, I, think, I feel like I've gotten... No Ramondre Stevenson. I'm, I'm just seeing names that pop to me yeah, off the he, board. Yeah, he, that... he might have made the next round. Um, Ramondre Stevenson's a guy I like. But again, I still think he's... You know, he's splitting time in the backfield with, with Damian Harris. No, I'm fair. I'm just, these are names that just stand out to me. No, no, no. no. I mean, I'm not there. quite. Um, from a rookie standpoint, no Brees Hall. Uh, I don't see the same things everybody else sees with Brees Hall. Uh, Nobody at he, he is, does. I, I continue to see him as the number one running back in dynasty rankings, the number one running back in redraft. I don't see it. He, he screams Chuba Hubbard to me. I think they're the same player. It's just like, they, they, the same player. Nothing wrong with those guys, but like I don't see a path where he's going to be uber successful all along. Um, so that's the one I know that I'm going to be differentiating from most people. Uh, I just don't. He doesn't do it for me. Um, I'm, I'm willing to just take that there. Oh, no, Jahan Dotson. I mean, some of these guys could – some of these rookies could move up because I don't think there's a huge difference between – you know, like, look, if, if 
Jahan Dotson goes to Kansas City and Traylon Burks goes to like New England or something. Like right. I could see guys it, it, moving around for space. I don't think there's much of a gap there. Like Jameson Williams is the most talented receiver, but he's also going to might miss half the season. You know, David Bell could go in a really good spot that he's a guy that I, I, I like a lot. You know, George Pickens, if healthy, like, so I just don't see a lot of those guys there. Uh, I'm not drafting a rookie tight end. Uh, so I think, I think I'm pretty happy with, with these 96 picks that I've made so far. That's it. I told you you guys were getting a beefier show uh, this week, and you did. You got over an hour of fantasy content from us. And as Jamie mentioned on the Sunday show, we're going back to once a week. So the next time you'll hear from us is next Tuesday. I will tease what the the topic is. It is to be determined uh, at this stage what we are going to talk about. Jamie, uh, where can everybody follow you on social media? And if they want to see the full mock draft, you know, and it's all of its glory in its entirety, where can they do so? Follow me at thedraftnetwork.com. I'm just kidding. I messed that up, didn't I, Chris? Well, you don't leave you that doing in. to me? I am going to leave it in. I don't, I don't edit uh, any of your mistakes. They I, I did the last part first. You can read the mock draft under the fancy tab of the draftnetwork.com, but you can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. And heck, you can follow the Draft Network on both those places too, at the Draft Network. Chris? You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. You can follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. And again, if you want to follow Jamie, you can do so at thedraftnetwork.com is where you can find all of Jamie's uh, lovely content. All right, everybody, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.